Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. about that as well we're going to be turning to the book of first corinthians chapter number 12 today continuing in our discipleship series uh, brother mason for the past couple sunday mornings has uh, taught to us about a christian family which was a part of that series and so we go on today and we're going to be talking about the gifts of the spirit now it hasn't been that long ago uh, actually, I looked it up just to see in the fall of 2018, I did a series on Wednesdays uh, along the line of the gifts of the spirit, a six part series. So if you want to see or hear something a little bit more uh, involved uh, than what this lesson uh, will be today and maybe next week, uh, then check that out on our podcast, Apple Podcasts, and most places that people would probably even have podcasts, you can find the First Apostolic Church and find that Gifts of the Spirit series. How we're going to talk about the Gifts of the Spirit, because in our maturity, in our maturing for the Lord, uh, that, that is another aspect of our maturity. Uh, not to be confused with what we've already talked about concerning the fruit of the Spirit. This is the Gifts of the Spirit. Amen. But I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I'm going to read the first 11 verses there uh, to have a springboard to jump from today. Amen. So let's turn our attention there now and see what the word of the Lord says concerning the, the gifts of the spirit. The Bible says now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. We're kind of seeing a little process here everything that is given every gift of the spirit uh, that is given it's all by the same spirit all right and so uh, with that being said uh, in reality as the church we can't necessarily esteem one above the other all right uh, because they do all come by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work of that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he 
will. Again, our topic this morning is the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to pray, and we'll see uh, how far we can trudge out here into the water this morning. Father, I come to you. I'm so thankful, Lord, for your many blessings that you bestow upon our lives. I'm thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house, God, to turn our attention one more time to your word. Lord, let it become alive, Lord, in our own lives, the life, Lord Jesus, of this church. God, help us, Lord, to learn of you according, Lord Jesus, to the scriptures and will not fail to praise and magnify you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Now, the gifts of the Spirit, these are the spiritual endowments, if you will, given to us by God. And uh, they are for the purpose, of course, to bless and edify the church of God. And so they are given to uh, particular individuals in which the Lord sees fit. And uh, they, of course, are not to be by any means confused with natural talents or abilities. Whenever we speak of the gifts of the Spirit, they are just that. They are gifts that belong to the Spirit of God. They do not belong to a man does not have ownership of them, although they do use them. Amen. And the spirit within them allows them to use them or blesses them, bestows the ability to use them. Uh, They are, though, of course, no natural means of, of a human individual. All right. It's not because they have the right genetic composition that they're able to be using the gift of the spirit. No, it's the spirit of the Lord that enables that and makes that possible. Amen. And so the Lord gives this uh, unto mankind for the edification and for the benefit of the body, the benefit of the church. And as it is with anything, and, and I think it's important to come to terms with this. Uh, we live in a, a age today that some people will uh, stay at arms different from the gifts of the Spirit because over the years of time, there have been moments of time that they have been misused and abused. Well, that, that, that goes to reason for anything, whether spiritual or even natural. Whenever it falls within the hands of men, it could be misused or abused. All right. And just because something is misused or abused by an individual, that doesn't mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to be political here, but a good case in point would be a lot of opinions concerning uh, the right to bear arms. There's a lot of misuse and abuse with them. But in my personal opinion, that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to throw away the ability to bear arms with all of that just because people misuse and abuse them. All right. And so and that goes in many respects, even beyond uh, the right to bear arms and otherwise, whenever it gets within the hands of men, uh, they then whatever they have been given or acquired, have the ability either to misuse, abuse or use it appropriately. And so I uh, the scripture is all for for the gifts of the spirit being operation in the church for the purpose of building up the church for the purpose, certainly during uncertain times in which we live right now or even as we grow closer to the coming of the Lord, uh, to help, to complement the word of the Lord that is being preached and the signs of the time that we even pick up on in our everyday living. And so here at the First Apostolic Church, they are absolutely permissible. We do not forbid. Uh, we are like, oh, don't speak in tongues. Don't interpret. Don't, don't. No, no, we don't. It's not that we forbid, forbid any of those things. We want those things to be active and should be, I believe, according to the word of the Lord, active inside of 
the church because it wasn't just for uh, the apostles day it wasn't just for the church at Corinth for that matter it was for every church of every age if I may draw your attention to first Corinthians chapter number one in verse number two this is where the apostle Paul is addressing his letter of the of first and second Corinthians he's addressing it to the church at Corinth and he tells them in verse number two in his addressment he speaks what this writing is for it's unto the church of God which is at Corinth but he doesn't stop there to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all that in every place called upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours that includes all of us that includes every church of every generation, the saints in every place that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so whenever we get to uh, chapters 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, and it speaks to us about the gifts of the Spirit and the administration and operation of those gifts and things being done decently in order, that doesn't just apply to the church at Corinth. That applies to every church of every generation, saints that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For that matter, if you skip down to verse number four of first Corinthians one Paul says I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ look at verse five that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge amen even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you look at verse seven so that ye become behind, that ye come behind in no gift that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ all right and so he is not just uh, alluding to or referencing that they would just come behind and no knowledge or no utterance but even if we were to take it just as that alone many many of the gifts of the spirit are gifts of utterance and many and some of the gifts of the spirit uh, pertain to knowledge but nonetheless when he says come behind and no gift since this is the start the addressment to the church at Corinth and the church at every age and he's going to talk to us about the gifts of the spirit then I believe that we should come behind and even no gift of the spirit as what as we're waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and so the Lord hasn't come back the second time he has not come back to take his church yet and so we have a responsibility not to grow behind in any of these gifts of the Spirit as we await for the approaching of the Lord. Amen. And so again, the gifts of the Spirit not to be confused with the fruit of the Spirit. And sometimes that's easily to do because you got nine fruit of the Spirit and you got nine gifts of the Spirit. And sometimes it might be easy to get them mixed up, but to keep them somehow straight we must remember that the gifts of the Spirit is a divine ability that God gives at a particular time in a particular moment for a particular purpose. All right? And the purpose overall for that is to edify and build up the church, to strengthen, encourage, uh, bring some type of knowledge into the body as a whole. For that matter, these actions and works, uh, they are things that, uh, predominantly when they work, that they are actions that are external. They're works and deeds that are external, all right? They're not to be used for self-glory or, or any type of self-exaltation. They are designed to bless the body. They're designed uh, to be beneficial to 
others. And uh, there's not necessarily just one member of the body that possess all of these gifts of the Spirit. But he gives, again, as he said, and some are given, you know, a word of wisdom. Some, So they're given here some, there some. But whenever they are collectively used, whenever God ordains them to, their profit is with all. The prophet is to every single individual. Whereas when we talked and we had lessons concerning the fruit of the spirit, whereas when we talked about the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit are, are the, the qualities and the characterization and nature of God showing forth in our life. By means, many of those, when we talk about love, joy, and peace, by means of attitude, disposition, uh, character. And so we're talking in many ways, these are in, internal things. All right, joy and things like that. They may have some type of external manifestation, but predominantly they are internal and the fruit of the spirit, whereas first and foremost, they benefit the individual first. All right, the love and joy that you have from the fruit of the spirit, you benefit from that first and then others might benefit from it. It might be a spillover effect, but first and foremost, it benefits you. Whereas the gifts of the spirit benefit everybody right from right from the go but the fruit of the spirit benefits us in our walk and relationship with God and so as we continue to cultivate them in our life amen we want to and have the ability to cultivate every single fruit of the spirit in our own personal lives amen and so uh, the apostle Paul in writing to the church at Corinth and this was important he told them he wanted to talk to them about these spiritual gifts and he didn't want them to be ignorant. He didn't want them to be ignorant concerning these matters. In other words, he didn't want them to be unskillful concerning these matters. And again, reason being is because they were beneficial to the church. They were going to build up the church. He said, whenever this manifestation happens among you, whichever one it may be, it's going to profit Everybody, Why wouldn't we want something like that active in the life of the church when it overall benefits the church and the body of Christ? Amen. And so we don't want to be ignorant because when we're ignorant of these things, number one, for, the, for us in the church world today, when we're ignorant of these things and perhaps steer away from them because we don't understand them. And I say uh, many things that people steer away from is because they do not understand them. And so if as a church, if we were to steer away from it because we don't understand it, then what we are robbing the church of is being profitable and being built up, being encouraged, being helped along the way. All right. And it's interesting. Again, there's always going to be a sector. Or there's always going to be times that they'll be used and misused and abused. And consequently, whenever that happens, the very opposite happens concerning benefit for the church. When they're used rightly, they benefit the church. It edifies it. It builds it up. When they're misused, it causes division and confusion within the church. So in essence, it tears it down. And so right there, you see a, a, a glaring uh, contrast between right use and misuse about what is, the, what is the benefit or what is the downfall after the fact. Well, whenever it's used rightly, it helps everybody. It helps the body. When it's used wrongly, then many times there's the scratching of heads. There's the confusion. There's the, divu the, the division that, that comes. And uh, we don't want anybody's life to be, to be destroyed uh, by something that should be helping and aiding them. All right? And so it's building up the church. Whenever the Apostle Paul wrote 
1 Corinthians chapter number 12, he writes it telling us concerning the gifts. And in that same chapter around verse number 12, he spills over and it, what would seem like changing from talking about the gifts of the Spirit, then he starts talking about the body of Christ. And he talks in many terms about the natural body, the human body. All these members, they all have a place to function and they are helping and aiding one another. And so he's talking about the human body of many members and many parts. Amen. Each performing a different function. All right. Which was very important. But what he's doing for us is, is making a parallel. He's making a parallel between the, the real human natural body and the spiritual body. Because as the human body has several members that function in certain areas, the spiritual body has members that function in certain areas. And that even spills on over then in the gifts of the Spirit. Some have been given the gift of a of, of word of knowledge or word of wisdom. Some uh, the interpretation of tongues or divers' tongues, as we would call them. And they're all for the purpose, overall function of the body so he compares and he contrasts one and the other amen the bible says in first corinthians 12 uh, verses 4 and 6 it says now there are diversity of gifts there it is but the same spirit there are differences in administrations but the same spirit there are diversities of operations but is the same god which worketh all in all and so the apostle is conveying to us Different gifts, same Lord. Different means by which the gifts are administered, but the same Lord. Different operations. Not every gift is the same concerning these gifts, but the same Lord. The scripture even tells us, before it's all said and done, Paul tells us to covet the best gifts. He said, covet the best gifts. You said, well, Brother McGee, just a moment ago, you said we couldn't really, you know, uh, esteem one more than the others. And so then Paul's saying, you know, covet the best gifts. Well, the best gift is this. The best gift is the most appropriate and needed gift for the moment that you are in. Uh, there were, there, there's times that there needs to be a, a, a word of wisdom in how something should be done. Because you already have a word of knowledge. You already know the what. You need to know the how. And so the best gift in that moment when you already have the, the what, you, you need a word of wisdom. You need to know the how. So the best gift in that moment is the one that's most appropriate for that time. And so the gifts of the Spirit can be broken down into uh, primarily three categories, uh, three in each category. Number one, uh, the gifts of revelation or what may be known as the to know gifts, the gifts of revelation, which would be a word of wisdom, a word of the word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits, because these gifts undoubtedly, uh, undoubtedly uh, come with a revelation from God, things that are uh, spiritually revealed to those who operate in them by God. A word of knowledge. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about these individually in just a moment. I was about ready to just jump there already. But, but we'll talk about each of these individually. The second grouping is the gifts of utterance or might be called the to speak gifts. And what falls under the umbrella of the gifts of utterance is uh, prophecy, uh, divers kinds of tongues, along with interpretation of tongues. All right. The gifts of utterance. 
Uh, nonetheless, whenever it's diverse kinds of tongues, there is utterance. The interpretation of tongues, there is utter- all these involve speaking something. The to speak gifts, uh, anointed utterances, uh, you might call them that are coming forth. They're they're vocal. They're they're not they're not hidden among the gifts. These are probably some that are the most easily recognized. The most easily recognized, the most easily labeled. The third grouping then is gifts of power, which may be called the to-do gifts. And this is not the to-do list that your wife has made for you. All right, this is these are the to-do gifts concerning spiritual things. Amen. They consider they are uh, they are considered these three: the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, and the working of miracles. And so, again, it involves divine power from God, of course, for faith to arise, for healing to take place or a miracle to be performed. So let's look at the gifts of revelation here this morning. Uh, The to know gifts. Consider the word of wisdom, the word of wisdom, because the word of wisdom, we're talking about heavenly wisdom here because there are two wisdoms in this world. There's earthly wisdom. There's heavenly wisdom. There's natural wisdom, and there's the wisdom of the Lord. Natural wisdom, uh, defining is just the natural ability uh, to properly apply knowledge that we have. That's wisdom, natural wisdom itself. How to apply knowledge that you have, all right? That's wisdom. And the Bible tells us even concerning uh, the difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom in the book of James, and we'll get to that just here in a moment. The book of James, it speaks to us concerning about earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. But when we talk about divine wisdom, heavenly wisdom, whatever you wish to call it, it is, again, some type of uh, how, the know-how, how to apply knowledge, but spiritually imparted to you concerning a particular need. Whenever we're talking about a word of wisdom, you may even have knowledge of the situation. But by God's help, by God's direction, you offer on how a person should act upon the knowledge they could know. Uh, it could be in those scenarios where uh, people know everything that's taken place in their life. Perhaps there's some decision, a choice that needs to be made, but they're kind of in that valley of decision. They really don't know if to go this way or that way. In other words, there's not necessarily a, a, a true right or wrong in it. It's just knowing what, what would be best, what would be God's purpose. And sometimes a word of wisdom can come in that moment to help bring others, a church or individual's direction about how they need to act upon what they know. Right. And so that is a word of wisdom. But when we talk about uh, and I look at it here in James three, verse number 17, the Bible says, but the wisdom that is from above, he's contrasting wisdom that is from below. And I'm not talking about hell. I'm talking about the earth. That wisdom below sometimes has the ability of delving over into uh, being what scripture says in James, it can become sensual, can become devilish. It's earthly because it is just earthly wisdom. It has limits. That's the best way I can say it. Our earthly wisdom has limits. Amen. Even the earthly wisdom given to Solomon had limits. Because the Bible said as he made all of his gardens and he did everything he did whenever he was in his backslidden state, that he still maintained the wisdom that he originally asked for from the Lord. But it's earthly. And although he could do all these things and accrue money because he had earthly wisdom, 
right, could do all these earthly things, it still would have been to no grand profit to his soul. All right. Amen. True heavenly wisdom only comes from God. This is what the Bible says in James 317. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable. I love this verse because it always sticks in my mind. Uh, several, several years ago, I was doing a series on the book of James and I studied this and it's never departed from me. That wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable. In other words, wisdom from above will never sacrifice its purity for peace. Amen. It's always first pure and then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And so here's a great thing concerning whenever a word of wisdom from above is being utilized within the church or even maybe with a group of people or a person within the congregation. Always know that it's first pure. It's always right. It is, it is clear. It, it, it is not an admixture of something. You don't have to question its integrity if it's truly from above. It is first pure, and it's going to be for the benefit to whom it is extended to. For that matter, we read also in the book of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and 2 that Paul, even there, uh, brings back and forth highlights of earthly wisdom and wisdom that is above. And whenever he spoke to us about these two dynamics or this dichotomy, if you will, of wisdom being both earthly and from above, he talks about how in the eyes of men that were wise, that had earthly wisdom, they looked at the cross and the crucifix and they said, foolishness. He said, but those with heavenly wisdom knew it was the power of God unto salvation. He says, so there, let me stage for you earthly wisdom compared to heavenly wisdom. There is a vein of difference between the two. Amen. And so this word of wisdom, again, this spiritual ability that God gives to us, he gives us to understand to what to do with the facts that are given in certain circumstances or situations that may be in the life of individual or the life of the church. In one way, this is a, a means, a word of wisdom is a means that God shares his mind with us. God shares his mind with us and particularly his way of doing something about the particular circumstance, issue, whatever it may be. I would tell you as a pastor, the word of wisdom is a gift that a pastor should cover and needs oftentimes when he's approached with things in the church or in individuals' lives. I'm telling you, there's not a manual for some of these things. You need, you need the wisdom of God, amen, in order to guide or to direct. We see the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 27. He operated in, in, in several gifts, but within Acts 27, he was operating in the word of knowledge and in the word of wisdom. At one point, he spoke to them with a word of knowledge, telling them to take heart because uh, the ship was going to suffer loss. And then another moment, he told them concerning a word of knowledge that all of those that were upon the boat were going to be okay. As long as they stayed on the ship, that was going to be lost. I know that it sounds, see, you got to depend upon the Lord because some of this stuff would just sound total contradictory. Everybody's going to be saved if they stay on the ship that's going to be lost. Right? But then Paul comes with the word of wisdom. Having knowledge of all, had the knowledge, now this is how to apply it. He says, all of you, we've been fasting for days. He said, you need to take meat and eat. Why? Because we'll see to find out in the story of Acts 27, whenever the ship is lost, 
Paul admonishes those that can swim, get in the water and swim to the shore of Melita. And they're going to need strength in their body with food in order to do that. And so the word of wisdom that came to Paul is eat now, right? Eat right now, take nourishment, because later what would happen, the ship would be lost. And there were some that were going to have to swim to shore, others hanging on to broken pieces of the ship in order to get there. That was a word of wisdom that the Apostle Paul was employing at that moment of time. And note, the Bible calls it the word, singular, the word of wisdom. In other words, whenever someone operates in that, it's not that they have all heavenly wisdom in that moment. No, it's a word of wisdom. Uh, God gives them a word or a phrase or some direction for that particular time, that circumstance in that moment. All right. So we don't have no, you know, body on a throne that's just standing around here of all heavenly wisdom. No, 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 not at all. By no means. Hallelujah. But they receive a portion for the moment, a portion for the moment to employ for God's people and God's church. Another example of a word of wisdom being used. You remember the Old Testament in 2 Kings that uh, Naaman of Syria came to Elisha the prophet, right? Heard of all these grand things concerning Elisha. So he comes to Elisha. He's a leper, of course. No known cure for him. Uh, son of man, you know, what, what can you do? You need to wave, my, wave your hand over me and let it be clean and clear. The word of wisdom. And I, Naaman didn't think it was too wise whenever he spoke it. But the word of wisdom that Elisha spoke to him, it says, go over there to, to the, the Jordan and wash yourself. Dip seven times and your skin will be clean. He knew the how to get it accomplished. Naaman saying, there's better rivers over in Syria. Right? What's he trying to do? He's trying to use earthly wisdom to understand heavenly wisdom. It just doesn't, it just, it don't, it don't happen. It, it, you, you cannot do that. Amen. And so he was obedient, right, to the word of wisdom. And after the seventh time, what do we have? We have a cleansed Naaman of his leprosy. The Bible says in James 1, 5, whenever we talk about wisdom, amen, even the wisdom of God and even earthly wisdom that people may need. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Amen. And so we need this thing active in our own personal, our own personal lives. The word of knowledge is another gift of the revelation gifts. Amen. The word of knowledge. Again, knowledge is a specific knowledge that God's Spirit would bring to an individual to meet a particular need at a particular time. And the word of wisdom and word of knowledge, they work in tandem with one another. They are oftentimes companions, uh, meaning that both of these things are employed and used in many of the circumstances for the body or individuals' lives. Because in order to know how to do it, sometimes you need to know the what. You need to know what you're contending with. And so you have seen this happen, amen, maybe perhaps even in a church setting. Again, it is the word of knowledge. There is, again, no one high and lifted up on earth. All knowledge. I have, I have the, the gift of knowledge. No, it's the gift of the word of knowledge. It's just a portion. It's just a specific knowledge that the Lord gives at a particular time. Uh, a piece of the mind. The Lord just gave you a piece of his mind. 
<laughs> we could say it like this. The Lord just gave you a piece of his mind. Amen. But it does involve um, perhaps facts about people or events or places. All right. Uh, that the person that is stating it did not have former knowledge of. All right. It's something that they are speaking that they have no formal knowledge of, that they didn't know through a natural means. All right. But it is. And, and for the person that is hearing this, that for sure validates to them that this is of God. Uh, there's I've seen this gift operate sometimes. And after it's done, the person's like, I know that they don't know nothing about this situation. I haven't or I haven't told anybody about this. But you've been talking to the Lord and the Lord knows your mind and what you're going through. And he has the ability to share that with somebody else for your benefit. Amen. At the appropriate time. And so, again, there are details concerning these things. And it might just not be things in your present. It could be things even from your past or even things still yet in your future. The word of knowledge that is brought in the moment. We see an illustration of this in the scripture uh, in the Bible. Whenever Peter speaks to Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter number five, again, a word of knowledge can be general or it can be detailed. I know sometimes we throw off the general stuff. Sincerely, I know we've been in those audiences before and someone says, well, if anybody has back pain right now, you know, and you're saying, well, audience this size, somebody's going to have back pain, bless God. But let, and we do that because things have been abused before. But the word of knowledge can be as general or as detailed as God wants it to be. You know, he, it could be as general as he knew you had a tie on or, or as, as, as detailed as he knew it had polka dots and ponies on it. You understand what I'm saying? And so uh, with Ananias and Sapphira, Peter was standing there. This was a time that people were selling lands and possessions that they had. And they were taking the money and they were giving them the totality of whatever they sowed unto the church. And so Ananias and Sapphira came along. Everybody's been doing this. They had sowed theirs. But rather than following uh, what had been the norm of people then just giving it all, they gave some but kept parts, some back. And so they wanted to kind of give the impression that we're given all when they were holding some. Well, the Spirit of the Lord speaks to Peter to bring to recognition that you've not given all. Word of knowledge. All right. And before the day's out, we have a couple of people dead, and that's something for another time. But uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that the, the Apostle Peter was employing the word of knowledge in that particular, in that particular moment. Amen. And so uh, we all just as Christians, all right, whether we have the gift of the word of knowledge, we all should sincerely seek to grow in the knowledge of God, whether you possess the gift of the word of knowledge or not. And God, though, may choose to use you. Amen. If you covet those best gifts in the moment that they're needed to use you. I know that a lot of times, even in prayer, with praying with people, sometimes you'll find yourselves praying with people and you may not know their circumstance, but you're praying a prayer because you're feeling to pray a certain way, right? And even in those moments that you feel to pray a certain way, though you may not know what the need is, they may confirm with you after that is done that what you were praying is what I was needing. That is the operation of the gift of the word of knowledge. I don't know if we really pick up on all the times that these gifts operate and happen in our lives, but it does in moments just like that. The Bible says in Colossians 1 and verse number 9, it says, For this cause also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray 
for you and to desire that ye may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord and to all please him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Again, this is all for the purpose of, although you may not have the word of knowledge, does not uh, put, take us off the hook from desiring the knowledge of God. All right. And the knowledge even of the word of God, because uh, if you're looking for the knowledge of the Lord and you want just some type of divine impartation all the time, step back and take note that the Bible that he gave you is collectively his knowledge that he has given to us. And it also was good for the edification of the church and of our own building up of our personal lives. The third gift, a part of this uh, trilogy of the gifts of revelation is the gift of discerning spirits the gift of discerning spirits to know if a spirit or if a spiritual work is of god of the adversary or of human nature because we really have these three arenas at work in our world today things that are Propagated by God, by Satan, or by human nature. And so we must discern the spirits, discerning of the spirits to know what is the source of the activity taking place. Or said differently, what is the spirit behind this? Right? What is the spirit behind this? For one, that helps you in your prayer. How to pray about certain things, knowing what the spirit is behind it. All right. And so we must know the spirit behind it. The Bible says in first John chapter four and verse number one, it says, beloved. Here we go. Not every believe, not every spirit. But try, which that word means to discern or examine the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Again, this is the gift called the discerning of spirits. This is not the gift of, and I understand that we don't purposely do this, but it's not spoken as the gift of discernment, all right? It's not listed as the gift of discernment, but it's the discerning of spirits in particular, right? Of spirits, amen. And so we got to take that in consideration because the purpose of the discerning of spirits gift is God allowing us and helping us to determine, distinguish what is true, what is false, what is impure, what is clean, right? Throughout all the different dimensions of human activity and operation that's within our world, in the church and out of the church. Amen. Because there's some things outside of the church I need to be... Uh, in touch with heaven on to know what the spirit is behind what's taking place because that might then that might then come to bear upon my involvement or not right my involvement or not and so we use these things to identify whether or not the spirit or the action or the motives then of an individual or a cause is godly or not all right for <laughs> and one thing concerning whether it's a human spirit, you got to watch that today because there's a lot of human spirits that are self-serving, self-seeking, all about self. And so we, we got to keep a pulse on those things. They're, they're wolves in, in sheep's clothing, so to speak. And so, and there are also 
evil spirits within the world. All right? We're, we're not beyond those days. Uh, the prince of the world is still walking about. And, uh, and I'm not here trying to be hocus pocus all that. But sometimes these adversaries or evil spirits of the world attach themselves to real human lives. All right? For the purpose of destroying them. For the purpose of, of causing them to go down paths and alleys and ways that would be harmful unto them. All right? And so we need a discerning of spirits. The Bible says in John chapter number 10, there's a lot of voices in the world. There's a lot of, a lot of things clamoring for our attention. The Bible says in John 10 verse 4, And when he, speaking of the good shepherd, putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. The sheep of the Lord truly know his voice. They're discerning through his words, but we need to have a spirit of discernment as well because as we get closer, this is not Paul McGee, this is the word of the Lord. As we get closer to the coming of the Lord, there's going to be more false pseudo-religions, all right, quote-unquote Christianity, quote-unquote religious experiences that are going to be mirroring much of what those who are true have. All right. And the Bible even says, if possible, that he would come and deceive the very elect, if possible. And so one way to keep ourselves on the edge of being aware of our surroundings and our times is through the discerning of spirits. What's the spirit? Oh, because we, we, you know, well, they do, they do real similar to the way that the apostolic church does, or that does just real similar to that. And they sound like us and worship like us. And nah, 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 nah. Hear me. Oh, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. We got to be careful. We need to know what is the spirit behind the function, the spirit behind the, the organization, the action. What is the spirit? Is it human? Is it a ploy of the enemy to, to deter us? Or is it the spirit of heaven? Is it right? And is it true? And many times, not only what we feel in our spirit, but we take the word along with our spirit. All right. And we, we begin to gauge it and we begin to 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 uh, measure it accordingly. Amen. Amen. The Bible, some examples of where uh, the spirit, the discerning of spirit took place is whenever uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts 16, they had been followed for a few days by this one girl. All right. And the things that the girl was saying was true. She said, these are servants of God. She was saying, who will show you the way to salvation? What she was saying was correct. What she was saying was true. It would have been easy to fall prey that everything was fine and everything was well because what she's saying, right. But what's the spirit behind what's being said? The Bible says that the apostle Paul picked up on that she was possessed of a devil. She was demon-possessed, and he turned around being wearied with it after so many days being followed, amen, and in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, cast out that, that, that evil spirit that was in her, saying the right thing, but having the wrong spirit. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, if it can have a wrong spirit and yet say the right thing enough to get your ear, 
then we must be cautious and careful and we need there to be some among us that will be people being able to operate with the discerning of spirits. Paul discerned it. We see in another place of scripture that Paul discerned something. He was dealing with a man, him and Barnabas, about conversion. And the Bible said that this man that was uh, being dealt with by Paul and Barnabas concerning the things of God, that he had a right-hand man next to him who happened to be a sorcerer. Uh-huh. And the sorcerer on the other side was trying to withstand Paul and Barnabas. He had the ear of though that individual he was a right man to trying to withstand Paul and Barnabas. But the spirit, Paul picked up on the spirit behind it and the Bible says he fastened his eyes on him. He fastened his eyes on him and spoke in the name of the Lord that he was struck with blindness, that sorcerer was. Amen. And that all came about, amen, by discerning the spirit behind a function, a person, a man, an event, whatever you want to call it. Because that gift is really given to the church. If all these things are for the edification of the body, then it doesn't want to accept something into it that's going to be to its harm. And so the gift of the discerning of spirit is really for the protection, the guidance, and the guarding of the church and of the truth, amen, that God has in his word. Amen. I'm trying to see if I need to go on or if this is a good spot to stop. <clears throat> I'm going to say it's probably a good spot to stop. <clears throat> or we could be going on a little further a little longer so we'll stop here so those are the gifts of revelation we still have the gifts of utterance and the gifts amen the power gifts to go through six we'll do that next week amen but listen folks covet the best gifts say well i'm just brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and i you know I, I don't serve no office in the church so i can't be used in the gift of spirit that's wrong thinking you don't have to be a preacher or a teacher or, or some, some uh, prominent, you know, uh, visible leader within the church in order to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. If you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God is living in you, amen, all those gifts belong to the Spirit that's living inside of you. And at any moment in time, if you make yourself available, God could use you in any of these gifts of the Spirit for the, in our body. The church needs that edification. It needs that building up, that encouragement, that guidance, and that direction. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, I come to you today. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for your spirit. I'm thankful, Lord God, for your power, Lord, that we have the ability to receive, Lord, following, Lord, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're thankful, Lord, for the fruit of the spirit, God, that come, Lord, to fruition in our lives as we consistently yield ourselves to the spirit that we have received. But God, you also have given Lord gifts among men Lord gifts of the spirit for the purpose of edifying and building up the church being guides and guards and protectors God to us God that can help us in hours that we know not what to do Lord help us in moments that we even don't know Lord the what for the how I pray oh Lord Jesus today God help us as a body help us oh Lord Jesus just to stay open God and accepting Lord into the will and the moving 
anointing and the promptings of the Holy Ghost. Lord, in a collective sense or when we deal with people on one-to-one basis, knowing, oh God, Lord, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. All these things have been gave by the same Spirit, the same Lord. It's all because of you. We don't have ownership over these things. We're just a conduit through which they work when we yield ourselves and allow. God, we bless your holy name and be with your people today. God, as they continue to grow and mature in you, in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. God bless you in Jesus' name today. Again, we have service here tonight. Amen. You can come in-house, in-person service. We'd love to see you here. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.